0: You are Locked On Raptors, your daily Toronto Raptors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there and welcome to episode 39 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, December 5th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com and TSN Radio in Toronto. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean and the show is on Twitter as well at Locked On Raptors where you can find links to every show Locked On Raptors is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find team-specific shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke, all in one place on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. You can also find Locked on Raptors on its separate iTunes page. Uh, Just search Locked on Raptors on there. And if you want to help the show, the easiest possible way to do that is to leave a rating or a review on the iTunes page. It really helps us out, really helps people discover the show. And that's what we want. We want to expand the listenership, and you can really help out by doing that. On today's show, we're going to do a quick recap of the weekend where the Raptors had a couple of awesome blowout wins. We're going to preview Raptors' calves. We're going to talk a little bit how absurd the Raptors' offense has been lately. Uh, if you want to go deeper into that as well, you can check out Kevin Pelton's ESPN Insider article on the subject. Uh, he did a great job of breaking down just how historically good the Raptors have been, and I'm going to try to do my best as well uh, to talk about some of the things about the offense that have been great, especially over this six-game winning streak, which has just been—it's been lights out, and they're scoring at an incredible pace. Um, but before we get to that, let's touch on the weekend, the Friday game against the Lakers. I mean, and I don't know what you want, what do you want to say, man? The Raptors were incredible. They, are you know they scored 60 points in the first 69 points in the first half uh just you know took it right to the to the cats right to the lakers sorry who were missing nick young and d'angelo Russell and a couple other guys um you know just it, it's a game that you expected the raptors to win based on how the the lakers are playing and just what the lakers are as a team but it was nice to see the raptors come out and for the third straight game really put the the foot down on the neck of the team they were playing they didn't really blow it, the grizzlies that much they only won by 15 and didn't really blow it open to the fourth but to win by 15 was nice and and they really, you know, blew the Grizzlies away in that fourth quarter. This one was just start to finish. They blew out the, the the Lakers, and it really helped, you know, boost up the Raptors' defensive numbers. They were in the 20s for the for the longest time. That bumped them up to 17th. They're now 16th after what they did, what they did to the Hawks on Saturday. And it's just been a great run so far for the Raptors. That Friday game, I mean, Norman Powell started because Damari Carroll didn't play. He had 16 points, seven of 14 from the field, uh, seven boards as well. Just a really solid performance from Norman Powell. The bench. You know, has done what it's done, and Corey Joseph maybe had his biscuit, had his best game of the season with 21 points, four assists, seven of 10 shooting from the field. Just uh, you know, Corey Joseph after a rough start has really turned it around and is playing some excellent basketball right now, backing up Kyle Lowry. And you know, this one also, you know, you had more garbage time. I talked about garbage time in the Sixers game last week. Uh, this time around the Raptors, you know, they they got to roll guys in garbage time to to close out the game, and it was really nice to see. Um, you know, you have Patrick Patterson and pl- only played 24 minutes down f- significantly from his season average. DeMar DeRozan played just 29 minutes. Kyle Lowry just 30. Um, so really good to see that across the board. And, you know, I think maybe the most impressive thing from this game was just the continuation of Kyle Lowry's unbelievable three-point shooting. He was 6 of 9 in this game. I think he started 6 of 7. And uh, he just looked like he couldn't miss it all. He, he really cleaned 24 points on 12 shots. Uh, seven assists, four rebounds. It just, uh, top to bottom, a dominant performance by the Raptors. So not much you can take from it because it was a blowout, and that's just what the kind of the nature of blowouts is. You, you don't really glean a whole lot from them, and that's obviously true of what happened in the game against the Atlanta Hawks on Saturday. Um, You know, second night of a back-to-back, you didn't really expect the Raptors to come out and uh, and play that well against the Hawks, a team that had lost, you know, 8 of 9 coming in and have now lost 9 of 10, and, you know, they look... They look really rough right now. Uh, with Paul Millsap out as well, you kind of expected that the Raptors would win the game or at least, you know, hang tight given it was the second night of a back-to-back. Figured it might be just sort of a slog-out battle, but the Raptors just took it to the cat- to the, he- the Hawks once again, sorry. Um, you know, 32-22 to open the game in the first quarter. Uh, and you know, the fourth quarter, they blew them blew them away forty two fourteen. My amount of watching this game, I was at a, a function with some friends from out of town for Christmas, um, so I didn't really watch much of it. Most of my game is confined to just watching Jakob Pertles dunk at the end of the game about thirty seven times, because that was unbelievable. That was so much fun to see. Um, but other than that, like just uh, you know, it, the Raptors are sort of monotonously good. They are just kind of a machine right now. And uh, you know, he had like nine guys in double figures in that game, eight guys in double figures. Everyone, you know, contributing. Demar Derozan had you know had a rough night against the Lakers, I guess, in terms of his uh, his shooting numbers. But he was uh, six, eight of sixteen against the Lakers. Sorry, against the Hawks. Four assists to continue his streak of four or more assists per game. And again, just thirty minutes for him, thirty one for Kyle Lowry. Uh, it's what you really want to see. And I know people were clamoring over the minutes totals that these guys were getting last week. And it was great to see them sort of, uh, you know scale back a little bit this week and I don't think they're leading the NBA in minutes anymore which is a promising sign if there's one thing that was sort of rough for the last couple of games it's maybe Jonas Valanciunas not really seeming like all that much of a factor he played just 21 minutes against the Hawks just two points five boards um, it's uh you know I think he's really struggling to come back from this ankle thing he's got like he's definitely dealing with something that much is clear uh, and as to how much it's, you know, actually Im- impacting his game, I, I, you don't really know, but it's definitely something, and I think it reminds me a lot of when Valanciunas came back after he had the original knee contusion this year and, you know, had a couple of pretty rough games. Um, now that he's back, you know, he's got this ankle thing. He didn't miss any games, but he's been dealing with it for about a week now, I would guess, and he has looked a little slow, a little sluggish against, you know, Memphis, against uh, even even Philly, although we think he had an all right game against Philly, but definitely against the Lakers and against the Hawks, you know, Valanciunas has looked a little, you know, slower than normal, I suppose, a little less effective on offense. That's going to happen over time. Like, you're going to have games in, in spurts like this where you don't play well. And it's nice that Lucas Nogueira has, you know, been amazing the last two nights. He's 10 of 10 from the field over the last two games. Uh, he's just been a, a nice spark club. It's, it, it's very much like the games that... Uh he he played when he first came back or from injury at the start of the season where he had three or four really strong performances. I think the game against the Kings, the one against the Thunder are ones that definitely stand out. Um and then he had a few games where he just looked like he was, you know, Lucas Noguera, where he's very inconsistent, didn't do a whole lot uh but you know it's been back to you know very effective and very fun Lucas Nogueira the last couple games you know picking up a couple blocks against the Hawks uh you had 10 points um sorry 11 points two blo three blocks eight boards against the the Lakers just good to see Bebe doing that because for the last couple weeks the backup center position had been a bit of a black hole for the Raptors so um it's nice to see now that it, it's sort of clearing up But let's move forward. There's not a whole lot to take from blowouts, as I was saying. So let's move forward to the game against the Cleveland Cavaliers on uh, Monday night. We're we're coming to you just a couple hours before game time here. And I kind of want to just roll through my three things to watch. First thing you come in, the Raptors right now are second in offense and 16th in defense with a plus 10.2 net rating, which is second best in the NBA right behind the Warriors. The Cavs, they've had a little bit of a slip up the last few games. I think they've lost three in a row. Uh, they are uh, fourth in offense, nineteenth in defense, plus four point five net rating. So still very efficient and very good, uh, but they've definitely had some struggles, especially on defense, over the last three games, and it's it's caused this comeback. And you know these two the, these two teams go into this game tied for first place in the Eastern Conference, which I think is a race that you know the Raptors didn't really have their eyes on coming into the year, especially c- considering how Cleveland started the year. You know they were thirteen and two, they were scoring ball, scoring eighty points in halves. Like, it was unbelievable what they were doing to start. The the season um, but now maybe that first seat is something that can sort of be in the Raptors grasp who knows you know we're a quarter of the way through the season no idea if this is going to continue or if the Cavs are going to just sort of you know coast the way a lot of people expected they might uh, but if that first seat is up for grabs that's huge because you know you likely avoid the Cavs in the bracket until the, the conference finals still while getting home court advantage in a potential conference final series and you also avoid you know probably Boston in the second round which is a series that I've been expecting and anticipating all along, and you know had you know, lots of nervous nights thinking about because the Boston Celtics are an interesting team, and once they sort of congeal and come together, they're going to be tough for everyone to deal with, let alone just the Raptors. They're going to be tough, and there, there's a very good chance they finish with the third seed at this point. And if you have the uh, if you, if you have the the Raptors, you know, it can make the one seed that avoids them, and you end up with a lower, a lower seeded team. Obviously, in the first round, you play an eighth seed, and then a, you know a four or a five, which in the Eastern Conference is a lot less scary than the Boston Celtics or the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, uh, that that first seed is pretty important, actually. And this win, you know, the Raptors aren't going to win the series series. The best they can hope for at this point is a split because they play the Cavs tonight, and then the last game of the season is against the Cavs. And then the Raptors are obviously already down two nothing in the season series, but um, you know, the tiebreaker notwithstanding. like, this is an important game for the Raptors to try to get an edge on, on, on the Cavs. And, you know, it, it, it's all going to add up at the end. And if the Raptors can somehow end up with a one seed, a win tonight will go a long way towards that. Um, just to sort of create, you know, start creating some distance. There's obviously no distance right now. But if the Cavs are going to you know coast, the Raptors definitely should be trying to take advantage of that. So let's look at some of the things to watch for tonight. First off, just like how the hell do the Raptors stop Channing Fry? Channing Fry has been uh, just a Raptor killer since he was signed or traded for by the Cavs last season. The playoffs, he was, you know, part of those bench units that were just torching the Raptors. Um you know, there was game four, Channing Fry was on the floor when in the fourth quarter as the Raptors were barely hanging on to a lead. The 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 Cavs offense scored like fourteen consecutive times down the floor with Channing Fry out there. I think Fry figured into a lot of that. And, you know, that, that, that offensive unit is impossible for the Raptors to stop. The Cavs have been going a lot with the Kevin Love, Channing Frye uh, unit to start games this— not to start games, but during games this season to start the year. And it's been lethal. Like destroyed the Raptors in their last matchup in Cleveland. And it's, uh, you know, the shooting is impossible to deal with. If you, And especially, too, you know, Frye also works in units where he's at the 5 and LeBron's at the 4. And it's uh it's tough for the Raptors to handle. The Raptors don't really have the the horses in terms of their big men to be able to stop that. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas, his his slowness is definitely well documented. He's not a great pick and roll defender, and you know he's even less of an adequate pick and pop defender if he's trying to you know stay with a guy like Channing Frye or God forbid God forbid trying to stay in front of a guy like LeBron James. If they switch it, uh, you just can't do it. You you can't switch with with Jonas Valanciunas, and it, it makes guarding that configuration so much harder than it already is, and it's already. In an impossible task for most teams, um, so maybe the way the Raptors can do it, a you know, outscore the the, the Cavs when Fry is on the floor because he's a defensive liability and he's a guy that you can kind of take advantage of. That's where Valanciunas comes in as you know, being a guy on offense that you got to kind of balance it right. Like he can score on ch- on Channing Fry if Fry is at the five, but uh, it's the defensive uh, sort of liabilities that sort of give it back on the other end. My thinking is, you know, just do what the Raptors have done so far this season: be super efficient on offense, go through Lowry and DeRozan. Try to outscore the Cavs when Fry is on the floor because he does hurt their defense, um, and just pray when when they come down on the offensive end and pray you can stop it. And the best way I think to do that would be to use maybe the small lineups that we've seen Dwayne Casey experiment with. Yeah, there's a size disadvantage there for sure, but if you go Damari Carroll at the four, Patrick Patterson at the five, especially when it's uh, a LeBron at the four, Channing Frye at the five configuration for the Cavs, you can switch that a little bit. You can, you know, have Patterson guard either guy. You could have Carroll guard either guy. I mean, Channing Frye is going to shoot over those guys most likely just because of his high release point and his his, his raw height. But I think it gives you a better chance of switching it and, and having a bit of a better, you know, just prayer of stopping that, that configuration because it's impossible to stop right now for the, for the Cavs and Channing Fry hit 20 points against the Raptors the last time they played. And it's a real problem. And if uh, these games, you know, they're, they're meaningless in the grand scheme of things, you know, people will use the litmus test quote to sort of talk about, uh, what this game means for the Raptors as they come in tied for the first place in the Eastern Conference, but uh, you know these games are more important in terms of just trying to figure out things and how to deal with it with the team that you're coming up against. And the Raptors have some things that the Cavs do really well against them, and it's it, it, these are opportunities, especially since they don't play them again until the end of the season. This is a real opportunity to try to you know workshop them th- some things that might work might work if you come across the Cavs in the playoffs at some point. So. Trying to find a way to stop Channing Fry is number one for me. Number two, uh, the defensive rebounding is going to be interesting in this because the Raptors have, you know, struggled on the defensive rebounding end. I think they're 26th right now in defensive rebounding percentage, which uh, far cry from what they were last season. Obviously, having Pascal Siakam in the starting five doesn't really help things right there. Um, it's uh, it, it's been a It's been a struggle for the Raptors to finish possessions this season, just a 74.9 d- defensive rebounding percentage, 26th in the league, as I said. But the Cavaliers have had issues on that end as well. They're 24th right now, that's 75.9. Point three defensive rebounding percentage. And if they, these two teams get into a, a battle of, you know, failed defensive rebounding. The, the Raptors might have an edge because they've been a much better offensive rebounding team this season than the Cavs. Um, you know, the Raptors are top 10 in that category. The Cavs are bottom. Uh, let's see where they are. They're sort of middle of the pack. So it's not a huge advantage for the Raptors, but maybe that's a place where the Raptors can gain a few extra points, a few extra possessions is getting offensive rebounds and taking advantage of, you know, those love and fry units that aren't as good at rebounding um, and just, you know, are, are worse defensively all altogether. All, all maybe that's a way to do that. Um and and get some extra points on on the Cavs. The other thing, too, is just – The other thing, too, is that with the Cavs, there's maybe no more team that's – there's no team that's more terrifying uh, when they do get a defensive rebound just because of the way they swing the ball around and find open threes, the way LeBron is such a gifted passer who can start the ball, movement, train, rolling, and it's it's scary. And that's the team that you don't want to be giving up defensive boards to or offensive boards to. So if the Raptors can't clean up the boards tonight, they could be in a world of trouble because no team thrives in the chaos of a post-offensive board possession – like the like the Cavs do, and maybe the Warriors do with that with their ball movement as well. But the Cavs are just so adept at you know swinging the ball from the strong side to the weak side and 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 kicking it out off of an offensive rebound. It's scary for sure. So that's something the Raptors definitely have to watch. And the third thing to keep an eye on tonight, it's not it's more of a broad thing. It's just to look at the Raptors' offense and how damn good it's been. It has been. You know, historically good to this point in the season. Right now, the Raptors are second place in terms of offensive rating at 113.8 points per 100 possessions. That's absurd. And it is, if it weren't for the Warriors being ahead of them, it would be the best offense that the NBA has seen in 40 years if it were to continue over the course of the full season. That's incredible. Um, it's obviously not going to stay that high. You're not going to come across sort of a, a plum schedule like the Raptors have had over these last four games uh, all the time. But. Uh, you know, that that's, that's really impressive. And over the last 10 games, the Raptors have outscored the Warriors per 100 possessions uh, to, you know, to, to be able to outscore the Warriors over that long of a time is damn impressive. So, just some really interesting things that the Raptors offense has been doing you know the thing that stands out to me still is the assist percentage that they're one of two teams that is sub 50 uh, in terms of their assist percentage right now and uh it's kind of stark and you see those two teams at the top of the offensive rating charts you know the Warriors are at 71.9 with their assist percentage the Raptors 49.9 and it's uh it just really shows that there's more than one way to play offense and to be effective at it but it's uh It's an interesting thing, nonetheless, and you can get into the conversation of whether or not that strategy will pay off in the playoffs or not. I tend to think just talent wins out in the playoffs. It's not so much scheme. And, uh, you know, if DeMar DeRozan is taking this jump that we think he has and Kyle Lowry's playing at this level, the Raptors have just as much talent as, you know, any pseudo contender. So, uh, but that's kind of besides the point that I'm trying to make. So far, the Raptors this season are second in true shooting percentage, just incredibly efficient. Their three-point shooting over the last little while has been uh, been lights out. It's... it's hard to describe. Everybody's shooting threes well right now. Um, even DeBarter Rosen, I think he's like forty percent over the course of this win streak, which is fun and he's, you know, getting from the corners a little bit more, which is cool. Um I mean, on this win streak, the last six games, Kyle Lowry's 62.5% from three on six and 6.7 attempts per game. Just crazy. Patrick Patterson, obviously, we talked about his struggles early in the season. He's been 57.7% over the last six games. Uh, you know, Corey Joseph is shooting 45.5%. Damari Carroll's at 45%. Terrence Ross at 45%. Uh, Even Norman Powell, 43. DeMar DeRozan, 40%, like I said. Like, everybody who's shooting threes right now is hitting them for the Raptors. Um, Literally, everybody who was taking a three on this this, uh, win streak has uh, shot better than 50%. It's unbelievable to watch right now. And uh, obviously, this is going to come down. But at the same time, if you look at the season-long metrics for... Uh, some of these guys for the Raptors, a lot of them are shooting around their career percentages. Demari Carroll's even a tick below like sort of the standard he's set for himself the last couple years. Terrence Ross and Kyle Lowry are, are a bit above theirs, but you know most of the other guys like Patrick Patterson right now is thirty five point six percent. That is like his exact career average. So. You know, this, this six-game winning streak isn't going to keep up this way, and they're not going to shoot this well from three, you would think, um, but it's it's probably going to sort of settle somewhere in between and probably to the higher end of the spectrum between this first part, part, first part of the season and the last six games uh, just because the team does inherently have a lot of, you know, accurate three-point shooters. And the way the Raptors are getting their shots, it's conducive to open looks, right? Because you have DeMar DeRozan usually facing two guys coming around screens. Uh, Teams are really selling out to stop him and forcing him to find guys in the short roll and to pass the ball along. And that creates mismatches. That creates four-on-three scenarios. And the Raptors are doing a really nice job of passing it around enough times to get those open shots. And, And obviously, open shots are a lot easier to hit than not open shots. So... Um yeah it's uh the, the offense is humming along at a perfect clip right now it's it's hard to complain about anything going on with the team um and it, it's just fun to watch so I, I'm interested to see tonight against the Cavs uh sort of in these games against these high profile teams so far this year the Raptors have done a really good job of you know scoring with these teams they've proven they can score with anybody it's just the defensive locking down that's been an issue but maybe the Raptors can just outscore the Cavs and maybe even if Channing Fry goes off the Raptors have enough juice and enough firepower to just outscore the Cavs who have really struggled on defense lately so uh, all of this kind of leads into my uh, pick against the spread, and right now the Raptors are one-point favorites, which if, if you had said a month ago that the Raptors were going to go into a game against the Cavaliers and be favorites, uh, I would have said you're crazy. Obviously, this is just a pick 'em, so so... Um I don't really know. I I, I want to say the Raptors. I, I'm down the last two. I, I missed my, my pick against the Lakers. I thought the Lakers would cover on Friday, and I forgot to tweet my pick out on Saturday. I apologize for that. Uh, so right now I'm sitting at, I think, 11-8-1 for the season. Um, I'm going to put that on the line. I'm going to say the Raptors are going to beat the Cavs tonight, so I'm going to say they're going to cover, and you know that could go terribly wrong, but uh, that's what I'm going to say for now. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow. We're going to recap the Cavs game. Lots of fun stuff coming up this week. I'm going to try to do something on Thursday. Uh, try to get a special guest for Thursday's show before the game against the Timberwolves. I'll be available. I'm going to be going to shoot around and all that stuff. So I'm going to try to catch up with somebody uh, before the game to, to have a podcast with a guest there. Um, lots of stuff coming down. The Raptors obviously play the Celtics on Friday too. I'm sure we'll, we'll hook something up for a guest with that as well because that's a big high-profile game this week. Uh, you know, a light week in terms of number of games for the Raptors but some interesting ones on the slate starting with tonight Uh, so enjoy the game we'll be back tomorrow as I said you can follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean follow the show at LockedOnRaptors as always subscribe rate and review the podcast on iTunes it really helps us out and we'd really appreciate any feedback too if you have positive indifferent things to say uh, let me know and I will try to cater to cater the show more to what people want to hear and yeah until tomorrow thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll talk to you then